just read, 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 go on YouTube, learn, like become obsessed about just trying to be as good as you can. Especially, especially when you're young, because you have that, you have no responsibilities apart from becoming good. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Catering for large events is a little different to running the day-to-day of a restaurant or cafe. But it also has its limitations too. After the whirlwind of the pandemic turned large events on its head, are operators seeing and executing catered events a little differently? Marco Bevilacqua is the chef and owner of Miscuzi in Perth, Western Australia. Marco, how are you? Good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm good. You've got um, one of the most influential catering companies over there in the West. Um, What are things like at the moment? Things right now are just booming. It seems like everyone was kind of locked up for a little bit and now it's kind of like the gates are open and everyone's just going for it. Tell us a little bit about sort of what you're doing. What what sort of opened up and the opportunities? What's some of the big events that you're looking after at the moment? Well, I primarily do like corporate uh, catering events and weddings Mm. and private sit-downs as well. Um, uh, We've got like like so many weddings coming up towards the end of the busy season and it's just crazy to see like – that like what it was last year is just a shadow, you know, mm. to, to, to what it is right now. Well, take us back to that period of time. I know it's been there's been a lot of adversity, and at different times as well. Western Australia is a little different to the rest of Australia in regards to the pandemic. How did you feel, and what did you do uh, in the events space, given the sort of upheaval? Well, when it all kind of went down, we were just jobless, really. I mean, everyone, you know, was calling up, wanting their deposits back on events and um, and we, we were just jobless. And I, I was actually working for another catering company at the time in which it all kind of kicked off with COVID and we, we just had nothing to do. I mean, that, that, like all we did was pretty much cook for each other during the whole lockdown and um, th- there was nothing to do really. I mean, the whole industry was just ripped out. How did, how did you feel at that time? Well, I, I mean, it was weird not being in a kitchen, but at the same time, you know, like after spending so long just in kitchens every day, you know, waking up early, getting in there, you know, setting up the day, doing the day, going home, sleeping, waking up, you get, you, you know, you get in the routine and um, when the routine's broken, you kind of just don't know what to do with yourself and you just end up like having to cook stuff at home having to cook stuff for mates, like, I don't know, I, I, I was honestly just lost, but I guess it was good in a sense that I kind of got to slow down a bit and think about, you know, what I kind of really wanted. Take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Uh, well, I grew up pretty much on the ocean, so spearfishing with my family and catching fish, like going to Rotness, which is like a little island just off Perth. Um, yeah, catching fish, octopus, like going to go get mussels down past like Fremantle, um, you know, like catching sea urchins and breaking them on rocks just to like eat, eat, eat the eggs out. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was really, really lucky in that sense, you know, following around my dad with a big like bag of bleeding fish, <laughs> learning how to spear fish. But um, no, it, like, 
like primarily seafood at such a young age and just respect for the ocean and like respect for ingredients, you know, like understanding that an animal kind of had to die. Like there, there, there was no real waste of meat ever in my house. And um, yeah, like, yeah. Is, is there any sort of particular fishing um, journey that you went on that you can tell us about from when you were young? Um, <laughs> well, um, I don't know. It, it, it really depends if the fisheries are listening. <laughs> nah, but um, I, I, I can say one time my dad sh- shot this um, shark and it turned out that it was um, pregnant and we, we didn't know. And then we ended up eating the shark and my dad cooked the eggs the next morning in an omelette. Wow. So, so like, my, my dad was always quite experimental and didn't want to waste anything. But, you know, waking up in the morning to a, you know, Wobbegong egg omelette was just, you know, <laughs> one of the many crazy things, you know. Do you remember what it tasted like? Oh, uh, it, it, it almost tasted like like batteries, kind of. Like, it, it wasn't very nice. Would not recommend. <laughs> what, what sort of led to a career as a chef for you? What was the sort of first sort of inklings that a career might be an option? Well, I never really did that well at school, but I knew that I just had heaps of energy and passion and was like, you know, super creative. And, you know, I'd be in class like daydreaming about what was in the pantry and what was in the fridge that I could like whip up for my friends when I got home. You know, we, we used to call it ready, steady cook in the desert because I never had any ingredients in my house. <laughs> so it was just always like a challenge to kind of, you know, come up with something when I didn't really have anything. And I was just naturally really good at feeding people, you know. And, um, and then I was just like in year 11, I was like, well, well you know, l- let's give it a shot. What were the first sort of steps into um, a career in commercial cookery? Do you have any stories of, of what it was like for you? Yeah, so I um, did work experience at a restaurant called Jackson's, Jackson's Restaurant, hmm. uh, which at the time was like an institution. It was like a one of the best fine dining restaurants in Perth. And um, yeah, I just did work experience there and, you know, worked real hard and ended up getting an apprenticeship there. And um, it was just amazing, you know, like going from like year 12 cooking class to just like fine dining restaurant. It's just like crazy, you know, like wake up at, you know, like seven, catch a bus train bus to work and the stocks are all going and you're in and you do your prep. And it was just 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 like mind blowing, you know. In the early days, um, who were some of the real mentors and venues that you worked at as you progressed? Um, so I started at Jackson's restaurant and um, he was amazing, taught me all my like base knife skills. You know, if it wasn't perfect, it was in the bin and you had to do it again. You know what I mean? Like the, the, like the mentality of just high standards and at such a young age, it really had a big effect on me because from then on, I just knew what was a high standard. And um, I, I ended up leaving my chef apprenticeship. So I went to Jackson's, worked there for about seven months. And at the time, I think I was get, working like 75 hours a week for about $300. And, and I didn't have my license, so I needed to get a bus train bus to work. at like I started at like 9 or 10 a.m. and I finished at like 1 a.m. So by the time I finished, there was no you know public transport, so I had to catch a cab home. And then on top of that, I had to pay rent. And I think at the end of the week, I was left with about $15 or $17. So I did that for about seven months and then um, – 
told Neil Jackson, I was just like, you know, I was, I was falling asleep in like, you know, the dry store. I was like, you know, complete train wreck and just told him, look, I, I, I can't really do, do this anymore. And he was fully, fully understandable. He was like, oh, yep, fair enough. All good. And so I left and actually got a job at um, Eagle Boys pizza, <laughs> Pizzeria for a little bit, yeah, where I um, saved enough to kind of get driving lessons and I ended up getting my license and um, kind of just was a delinquent for a little bit, I guess, <laughs> and, um, about 18. And um, I ended up um, getting a job as a dishwasher at um, Jack's Restaurant with David Duff, who was the head chef there and owner. And um, he just really helped me and like, you know, I'd, I'd be washing dishes and then he'd be like, oh, c- can you, you know, chop these vegetables? And he'd be like, oh, you know, you like, you did that quite fast. And so it was just like, and then it was like, oh, can you jump on service for a bit? And then I'd jump on service for a bit. And then I, I ended up just climbing the ranks there. And, um, you know, it was just always that pressure of, you know, like never being qualified, but putting so much pressure on myself because if I ever made a mistake, you know, I would go back on the dishes, if that makes sense. And, um, yeah, j- just worked there and learned as much as I could off David Duff and Stephen Watson, who was the head oh, – sorry, who, who was the sous chef there. And, um, yeah, like and then from there I ended up w- – when that restaurant closed down, I ended up um, going to Hyder and Shears, which was another catering company in Perth. Through I got that gig through my mate Alan Morris. He was the sous chef there. And just going from a restaurant to catering just blew my mind. It was just like the scale and, you know, like the organization and the logistics and how many moving pieces there were. And like it it, it just blew my mind and I just fell in love with it like instantly. You raise an interesting point about being a qualified chef and going through um, the education system or learning the tools of the trade on the job. With what you know now, I mean, there's so many chefs that have made a huge influence that were never technically qualified. Um, and that pressures that you felt. Um, what sort of advice would you have for young chefs, you know, that aren't necessarily qualified? Um, I would say put yourself in the most hostile aggressive environment in which you can learn as much as you can and just eat it for as long as you can until, you know, uh, until you buckle and, you know, you'll just, by doing that consistently, you'll point yourself in a direction, like you'll force yourself in a direction that's good for you. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And, and like, you know, just read, 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 go on YouTube, learn, like become obsessed about just trying to be as good as you can, especially, especially when you're young, because you have that, you have no responsibilities apart from becoming good. Tell us about the creation of Miss Scoozy. The creation of Miss Scoozy happened, um, well, I, uh, after COVID, I went back to work at a catering company and I was working there. And the first shift, oh, sorry, the, the first gig I had back was a private dinner at this girl's house. And I cooked the private dinner and the girl that I ended up cooking the private dinner for, she's now my partner and we have a, a baby and we run Miss Guzzi together. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I cooked her dinner and um, she loved it and a couple glasses of red wine and it was just all over. <laughs> and um and yeah well we opened Miss Scoozy uh the 10th of September um last year and w- w- we just saw a gap in the market where it was you know like 
like really good catering. Like there's no reason why, you know, like, like I feel catering gets a bad rap and it's kind of like I, I've been told like catering is where chefs go to die, like where great chefs go to die. That's what kind of the restaurant chefs always told me like, oh, you don't want to do that because it's kind of like, you know, for cowboys and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, but why? You know, like why can't I have a catering company that's just as good, if not better than a restaurant? Do you know what I mean? Because like, be like that, that, there's no reason why you wouldn't. It's just like the stigma attached to it because, I don't know, maybe some catering restaurants do like sandwiches and like, you know, hot runs to businesses and stuff like that. But events catering, there's no reason why it can't be as good. And tell us about the beginnings of the business. Was there, were there challenges or did it just take off? Like what, what happened in the first couple of months? The first couple of months was just, well, I, I started the business and I just pretty much had gigs straight away. You know, like I, I, thankfully I had networked with some people and, you know, I was just really lucky, honestly, to just have wedding after wedding and, you know, and, and like, you know, like if I'm not cooking food and people aren't blown away by it, I consider it like I haven't done a good job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the food has to be a talking point straight away as soon as they eat it. Otherwise I'm not doing my job properly. And kind of like that attitude of just like everything has to be, you know, perfect and people just tell other people and you get more gigs. Well, tell us a little bit about um, about your food. Do you, do you have some um, menus or dishes that you can tell us about that sort of speak of the level that you're offering? For sure. I um, So on my canapé menu, I've got one that I really like. It's a crispy potato rosti. And that's just like like a like a fried potato, like almost like a potato gem with beef tartare on top of it, with um harissa mixed through it, and that's just got uh, smoked labna as well. That's really nice. And then I've, I've I've got another canapé. It's a crispy chicken skin with a manchego custard piped on top, and then a beautiful white anchovy on top of that. And then um, I, I I did some training in Italy. I got my Italian passport, and I um. And I um, do pastas. Pastas is a big um, thing of miscuzzi. Uh, veal and mortadella tortellini with parmigiano cream and fresh nutmeg just over the top. And, yeah, like everyone loves that one, like beautifully shared on the table. Um, and then roast scotch fillet. I uh, get some mushrooms down in Frio that these guys, mushroom guys, they do the most amazing mushrooms. And I just cook them down with a bit of butter and um, – and miso, and that goes with a caramelized cauliflower puree and horseradish stew. And I mean, like, my menu is pretty big. I, I, I could go on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested in sort of putting on these events. You mentioned there's sort of a lot of corporate, a lot of weddings. But what's what's the best event that you've done that you can you can tell us about? Um, oh, I, I, I did a massive wedding in um an area called Florida in Perth and that was just you know like w w working in catering w when you're going to jobs working for someone else and you see what goes into it all it kind of just doesn't I don't know you, you don't really understand how much really goes into it but when when you do these big events it's like there are so many little like logistical kind of like you know like hiccups and hiring staff and everything like that and I, I, I did this massive wedding for about 150 people and you know I, I wanted to make the menu completely bulletproof and everything had to be amazing and I pulled it off and it was amazing and it was just a real kind of 
I don't know, like, like I, I kind of looked at it all and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. Do you know what I mean? From, from that from that dishwasher job where I was just, you know, like, and now I'm, and now I'm doing this. It was just kind of like, wow, like it all kind of paid off. And obviously I still have so much further to go, but it was just like real, really rewarding to see myself and Olivia pull that off. Well, tell us a little bit about the logistics that you talk about and sort of what it takes to put on a big event. So, like, you, you have your quoting, you, like, so someone will come to you be like, okay, I want a wedding for 200 people, 150 people, and then there's the quoting phase. They might say, oh, you know, I went to Italy and I had this dish, can we please have that? And then so you've got to, you know, like, people have all their specifications and stuff, so... And then there's like hiring staff for it. You've got to think about, you know, like, like, um, w- like the vans and the trucks. You got to think about the ingredients. You got to think about like, like it, it, it's just like over the board. Like if they want bartenders, if they want this, if they want that, you know, you just got to cater and kind of be always ready to just reply to an email or yeah. What surprised you about owning your own catering business? Um, just how much support I have really like and and just like how much yeah I, I guess I'm supported by all my friends and everyone in the industry like it's just it's just so rewarding like you know like I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away by the, how much support I've, I've been given and and I mean like as, as much as I can say I work hard and it it, it, it wasn't just me that that did it it's olivia olivia works so hard it's it's all my staff it's it's all you know my friends who are recommending me to other people and it's just i'm I'm blown away by it western australia has um such extraordinary producers are there any that you sort of work closely with that you can tell us about uh the, the mushroom guys are absolutely phenomenal they're down in Fremantle and they do the best heirloom mushrooms they've got like mushrooms you, you, you've never heard of before, but they taste absolutely amazing. Um, other than that, I, I, I use uh, real good meat at our Torre Butcher. They do really amazing meat. Um, and, yeah, um, I can't think any more off the top of my head, actually, but, <laughs> but there are plenty. Tell us a little bit about, you said things are booming over there in WA at the moment. Give give us a sense of what it's like. I know a lot of venues have struggled with staffing and, and all sorts of issues, but what, what's it looking like at the moment in the next sort of six months for you? Next six months for me is, is just a tidal wave of work, <laughs> to be completely honest. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's just really good to see everyone, everyone, you know, getting up, having events, not being really afraid anymore with all these restrictions and stuff like that. So like everyone's just, just going for it. And and it seems to me like everyone's getting hitched as well. Everyone's just getting <laughs> married now, all, all these COVID babies. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's just kicking off and it's so good to see because, you know, the industry was just in the lulls for so long and now it's just booming. And I know a lot of other catering companies in Perth are also booming. So that's just great to see. You've um, made a real success in a short period of time with Miscuzi. What do you love about what you do? Just like hosting events for people. And I, and, I, and I generally just love cooking for people and just seeing them eat my food and talking about it, saying, 
wow, how did you do this? Or, you know, like, like working with my chefs, just like in the kitchen, grinding with them, like tasting stuff, like cooking. It's just so rewarding to be able to do something that I love every single day. Like, it, like it, it is hard work, but at the end of the day, it's not work because I just love it so much. Well, uh, Marco, it's an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, good luck with everything and please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much, Anthony. It was an absolute pleasure and I love what you're doing. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.